You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number seven. Today, I talk about what it means to please the king instead of appease the king. We go into the story of Esther, and we kind of look at the details of how she even became queen. And then I share some personal stories about friendships and what God taught me about friendships. I think you'll be interested in hearing what God has shown me about friendships because they might surprise you. So let's head into today's episode that I'm calling Pleasing the King. You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast. I'm JC, and this is the place where we get real, sharing truthful insights that will encourage us to make intentional choices in both life and business. I want to start conversations that not many young Christians today are having. Will you join me? This podcast is brought to you by my new book, The Glitter Effect. Have you ever spilled glitter? It's almost impossible to get every speck back into the bottle. This is exactly how our influence is with the people around us. What we say and do matters, especially if we are to reflect Christ. Are you ready to leave behind a legacy that shines for Him? Then grab your copy today on Amazon by searching for The Glitter Effect or head to the show notes for a direct link. Hey, hey, we made it to episode 7. Congratulations! Um, no, that's that's really awesome. I'm, I'm so excited that we have been going through this series. Um, we've been talking about a lot of principles that God has given me for my new book, The Glitter Effect. And if you have not caught up, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I suggest you go to the list of the shows, look at the titles, and you'll find the first one um, of the series. It's a series of six episodes, and we're all just diving into some principles that God really put on my heart to share in my new book, The Glitter Effect. And luckily, he opened the door so I can share it with you. And I'm so, so happy about that. Now, the last episode, I tried to encourage you to not only tap into the living water for yourself, but for the next generation. That if your first response to God wasn't the right one, don't give up. Just try again. Try again with a better response because the Lord is a fountain of mercy and grace. Amen? Honestly, it's not in the will of God for us to permanently fail. He knows that we're going to stumble, but the Lord doesn't want us to stay down. God has provided the tools for us to grow spiritually by His definition. We must move past the thought that once we fail, there aren't any options. There are always options. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. His word is consistent in equipping you with everything needed to get back up and try again. If we are to become trees of righteousness, then we must keep the end goal in mind during these hard battles. And that goal is to produce good fruit. Live a life that honors God and is a witness to other people, right? Allowing our testimony to shine a light for those who are in darkness. That in all we say and all we do, the Lord is magnified and receives glory. That someday we might be with him in heaven and that hopefully in heaven, we'll see people that we helped receive salvation. What an amazing thought that is. 
And while I want to encourage you, I can't continue ignoring this warning from God. This is something he opened my eyes to during my first few years coming into the church. If our lives do not bring God glory, we're not producing good fruit. In the natural, if good fruit isn't produced, it means that there must be a lack of nutrients to make the tree healthy. And if a tree isn't being fed and the roots are not deep enough, branches cannot grow. It would be considered a dead tree. And dead trees have only one purpose, firewood. And spiritually, this works the same way. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Matthew seven nineteen. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand. God does not desire his people to become firewood. He wants us to be life-giving, active participants with his living water flowing through us and healthy branches that will bring forth high-quality fruit. But what is good fruit? Good fruit is anything that pleases God and has the ability to feed others. Our daily walk with the Lord should speak about who he is. Your personal relationship and commitment to Jesus is the best witness to others. You probably don't even have to say anything about God because people already notice how you carry yourself. At least that's what you hope. Matthew 12:33. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. I want to share a story that proves that sometimes how we carry ourselves speaks more than our words. As God started to work in my heart 11 and a half years ago when I first came to the Lord, I started to change what I wore and I stopped wearing pants. It was a personal decision and honestly, it shocked a lot of people who were close to me. God laid this conviction on my heart during my individual Bible study time and through preaching at church. It became clear to me that what I wore was important to God. And if you want a reference for that, Deuteronomy 22.5. And so I wanted my outward appearance to reflect inward change. The choice to only wear skirts and dresses led to a conflict in a few of my relationships. And one of those relationships was my best friend. And she made an accusation and hinted that I was easily manipulated and gullible. It was honestly insulting. A few other people commented about brainwashing all because I didn't want to wear pants anymore. One piece of clothing caused so much drama. It was insulting because it was like they acted as if I couldn't put that thought together on my own. There was no way I could intellectually come to that conclusion. And that to me made me feel dumb. And honestly, in my mind, switching what I wore was such a minimal change in comparison to the bigger picture. I had experienced a life-altering revelation about the Lord. So in my mind, giving up one piece of clothing was a reasonable sacrifice. Honestly, I didn't even realize how it would affect other people. But what I had chosen to do was not about clothes at all. I had chosen to go against the normal mindset of the world. We don't have to speak a word for people to be impacted by the choices we make, no matter how personal they may be. Yielding to holy conviction will lead to producing good fruit within us. We have the opportunity to follow God in the midst of opposition. 
When we stand firm in our convictions, it's noble and an example of righteousness. We can't control how people react to our choices, but we must continually follow through, giving God the glory. Modesty isn't a product of shame. It's a robe of holiness. Do we understand how privileged we are to be in the presence of the King? And for Him to even extend mercy and grace to us, dirty sinners who needed a new life, and He freely provides a way out, that now instead of being in enmity, we can be in harmony and shine His light through our daily living. How beautiful and precious a gift that is. Now, in the Glitter Effect book, there are many Bible stories we look into, but there's no story quite like the one of Esther. In Esther 1, 10 through 12, King Ahasuerus wanted to showcase Queen Vashti's natural beauty to the people of the kingdom, but she refused and dismissed the invitation. This made the king very upset. Queen Vashti disobeyed direct orders from the king. But more than that, she denied the king himself, her husband. And not accepting the invitation was a jab at his position, their marriage, and status in society. In public, the king felt he had no choice but to release her and she would no longer be queen. And so begins Esther's story as she is brought in with the other unmarried young women in the land. She was a Jewish orphan raised by her cousin Mordecai, who was a palace worker. He checked on her every day. He wanted to protect her and told her not to tell anyone she was Jewish. The Bible records a 12-month purification process for the young women in the palace. They would pamper themselves with oils and perfumes. This 12-month timeline wasn't just about vanity, though. It was to prevent illnesses or diseases from reaching the king when the ladies met him face to face. And it was also enough time to reveal the true character of each woman. When the year was done, it was time for the king to meet each potential bride. Every woman was given the choice to use whatever they wanted in the palace to adorn themselves to appease the king. This could have included decorative jewelry, elaborate hairstyles, or beautifully tailored clothing. Esther, however, wanted to know exactly what would please the king, and so she asked the king's right-hand man, Hege, to choose for her. Esther didn't want to just appease the king, she wanted to please him. She didn't follow what all the other girls did, but she was focused on what the king would like, not just what she would like, and it paid off. The king was not only impressed by her appearance, but the condition of her heart. And so Esther was crowned the new queen. You see, to appease is to pacify with a quick solution. It's the giver interpreting how to satisfy the receiver. That's what the other women were doing. It's not completely wrong, but to please is an action with purpose. To please is to unselfishly be intentional with how to fulfill the request or need that will benefit the receiver. Esther was being purposeful when she allowed Hege to choose how she should be presented to the king. While everyone else had their own ideas about what the king desired, Esther wanted the truth. Purposeful choices are essential to pleasing the Lord. What if Esther followed the trends of the other women? Would she have been chosen as queen? From the moment she arrived, Esther was purposeful with all her choices. As the story continues, her influence in the kingdom became a great force in the deliverance of the Jewish people. 
No matter what society is doing, do what's right in the eyes of our King. The influence we've been given can be used to glorify the Lord if we just aim to please Him and will lead to good fruit for the next generation. Just look at Eve. She devoured the forbidden fruit and sin devoured her. Now it's too late for Eve's story to be rewritten, but we still have time. The stories in the Bible are meant to perfect us, to become the people He wants us to be, to fulfill the potential that's inside of each one of us, that He may be glorified as we are sanctified. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God didn't have to tell us anything, but He chose to. When Jesus said, I am, He was setting the foundation for the rest of the message. He was proclaiming His deity and power. He is both the lion and the lamb. Are we reflecting the God we serve no matter where we are or who we are with? Do people know we are even Christian? Are we focused on pleasing the king more than other people? Are we allowing the revelation we have of Jesus guide us as we live every single day? Now, when I meet somebody new or get introduced by a new group of people, it really doesn't take long for them to know that I'm a Christian. I'm kind of annoying that way, but that's how it should be. I don't have to force it because God's active in my life, so it naturally happens. And I usually know when the other person or the group gets it. The mood changes. We have to stop worrying so much about what people think when we're living for God. We need to care more about what God thinks of us. The people in the Bible were not perfect, but they were willing to be reflections of Him. Are we willing to be reflections of Jesus? If we see truth as an option, we will never choose it. Truth should be non-negotiable. If we are to share the gospel, we must be truthful so that we can be trustworthy. When an unbeliever looks at our lives, do they see him? Have we made the right choices to place God at the center where he belongs? I want to always choose this truth. God is not vile or evil. He is not boastful, vain, malicious, or a liar. God is not a bully, a mean girl, gossiper, prideful, showman, dramatic actor, or slothful, moocher. God is not trying to ruin your life, take something good from you, or lead you the wrong way. He is the I am. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. I will proclaim that he is my God, follow his way, and believe in his truth, and he will direct my path. You know, there are a lot of genuine messages out there, but genuine does not equal truth. There's a big difference. Truth can cut through darkness while being genuine can't. It's okay to start with genuine intent, but we should strive to end with solid truth. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We can't ignore hurting people and expect revival. And at the same time, we can't have revival without being his reflection. It's in God's plan for our influence to be the light for other people to follow. This means we have to make relationships with those who are hurting, broken, addicted, ashamed. And at the same time, we do need to be separate in our beliefs, purpose, and knowledge. Separate in action and intention. Friendship with the world's ways is against God, but being a friend to a sinner is God's heart. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 
Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. You don't have to participate in sin to have friends. It's a burden of mine to use my influence to build his church. And that can only happen if I connect with people outside of it. We often parade around with our puffed up chests, disgusted by the sins of others. We walk past the unsaved with lifted chins as if we have power to choose who gets to go to heaven. How can we know their story if we never speak to them? When we allow God to move through us and we reflect who he is, we can be used to speak about his perfect love. Give the lost your attention so that they may be found. And I understand and I get it. There's this fear that settles into the mind of every believer at times and it's that we're not to mingle with the unsaved or we will fall. And this makes it so difficult to create friendships outside of the normal circles of like-minded people. The truth is, being in church doesn't equal a good heart. You have to start believing that God will show you the unhealthy hearts who will hinder your Christian walk and that he will prompt you to cut ties with those people. This is not a church condition. This is a heart condition. People who are not in church need to see Jesus in you, but they can't do that if you never met them. The lost need to understand why we love Jesus so much, and we can't tell them if we're only around believers, ignoring the hard conversations. Now, dude, understand this. You don't have to hang out with non-church friends wherever they go or do whatever they do. That's not what I'm saying. If you go to school, work, Target, Starbucks, I know you go to some Starbucks. God can open the right door for you to build relationships with certain people. Those are the opportunities where you can reflect him. And a good friend will respect your spiritual convictions. One of my closest friends wasn't even in church, but she was supportive in anything God related. More than some church folk. (laughs) She never tried to get me to do what she was doing and was always respectful when I was around. She was careful with her language and how she behaved. This opened up so many heartfelt conversations about the Lord and life. She received the oneness revelation through Bible studies and discussions, but it was her choice not to continue on. She told me, I have to get right first before I go to your church. She knew that there was going to be a price to pay to follow Jesus, and she decided she just couldn't do it. But that opportunity would never have presented itself if I would have scoffed at her. But I didn't. I didn't turn my Pentecostal nose up and ignore her hurting heart. And the door is still open for a miracle. I didn't shut it. There is nothing like the power of influence that belongs to a good friend. It's influence that celebrates light and doesn't cast shade over it. It's the kind of friendship that doesn't cause strife often. It's not jealous much. It doesn't look for offenses. We all need friends. And sometimes we seriously make foolish choices to have them. You know you do. Let's be honest. But we have to trust that God can keep us untainted as we are witnesses to the people in this world. You might have a moment in your life like the moment when Judas betrayed Jesus. He took full advantage of his friend's love and never came to repentance. 
trying to do the right thing in the eyes of the Lord isn't a very popular lifestyle in the world today. People might take you for granted. Opposition is not fun, but it is within the details of the opposition that God's goodness can be magnified. 1 Corinthians 15:33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Can you be friends with sinners and still remain saved? Yeah, but you need to take inventory of that spiritual battlefield on a daily, individual basis. Jesus was not surprised by the actions of Judas because he knew him. They had spent a lot of time together, and Judas's greedy heart was revealed way before that moment that led to the crucifixion. So take into account the person's character and their weaknesses. Ask the Lord if there is anything inside that person that will cause you to fall. If you don't feel strong enough spiritually to handle certain people, then please step out from those relationships. You have to be accountable. Salvation should never be traded in for friendship. That's just straight foolish, man. It's such a gift. Do not throw that away for somebody else. You can't walk on the fence in a lukewarm faith surrounded by unsaved friends. We have to be careful around people who will push us over carelessly or purposefully. Those are the people that might ignore all of your convictions and rush to blow out that fire that God has lit inside of you. If you are to impact this world, your faith must be strong. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 Light is pure and holy. It doesn't dance around trying to please everyone. One way to tell if a person is not a good influence for you is by looking at your moral compass when you are around them and seeing which way it points when that person is around you. I do believe relationships with unsaved people is essential to the growth of the church. Scripture is full of examples. However, we have to take inventory of how they influence our walk with God and how we influence theirs. We must protect our salvation at all costs. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. You want to be friends with unsaved people? Then you have to have his fire lit inside of you at all times. The Lord must consume your heart. He must be present in a mighty way. Or you might be quick to look at the darkness as good and forget the vessel he's made you to be. God wants to consume us, working through every part of our being. We should have friends who are willing to foster goodness, humility, and forgiveness. Who let us be who we're chosen to be in Christ. Friends who won't pressure you to harm yourself or go to places that make you uncomfortable. Friends that may not even understand what spiritual freedom is, but they let you dwell in it. You know... Heaven isn't full of people who never made mistakes. When you get to heaven, it won't be full of perfect people. Can I get an amen? But it will be filled with people who focused on pleasing God. 
We need to stop trying to form ourselves to something another person likes. Changing our appearance, personalities, and even our agendas just to have friends. Look around you. Everything was either created with his hands or the hands of creation. Now which one has the power to stand forever? What God made or what man made? We shouldn't fashion ourselves according to what the majority is saying is okay. We need renewed thinking. We need to pursue purity over popularity. We are a reflection of who we follow and spend our time with. Foster friendships that foster your walk with God. It's not about the quantity of friends, but the quality. I'd much rather have two friends who respect my spiritual convictions than a hundred friends who ignore them. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed in this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Focus on pleasing the king first, because... You have an inheritance nobody on this earth can give you. You've been given the power of influence and only you can exercise that power. Behavior modification can only take you so far, but God really desires a heart transformation. We must be his reflection no matter who is around. So strive to be who God has called you to be, my friend. And don't modify yourself to please people who are not looking out for your spiritual well-being. But sometimes people have their own internal battles and they impose standards on everybody else based off of their own emotions. That's not God's way. And so, if we are to become trees of righteousness, we must stand strong in the Lord and allow Him to produce good fruit within us so that we can feed the hungry something tangible and full of truth. We must reflect the God we claim we serve with our words and our actions. Pray and ask God to reveal the true intentions of the people you call friends, but also approach each person the way Jesus would. Honest, loyal, trustworthy, and a love that's okay with creating boundaries. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Again, there was so, so much truth here, and I really hope that it blessed you the same way that it blessed me by telling you I'm looking forward to continuing this series and I really hope that you'll come back and tune in again. Thank you so much for your time and I'll talk to you soon, my friend. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories? Tagging me at Ministries. It will encourage me that you were blessed. Also, Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. For more information about all things Hello Awesome, head to helloawesomeshop.com. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.